So graduates, graduates, another graduation. I, I have, when every time I come to church and we're doing the graduate, I have a lot of memories that flood by, same to do, same today, same uh, this morning. When names were mentioned and my mind goes back, my mind goes back many years for some because some has been here since they were little bitty babies. Some have been born. Some were born right there in those pews. That's how we used to do it. And uh, brings back lots of memories. I could start talking about them, but, but it's not going to. want to keep it special for all the parents today. But uh, I love you guys. I love the graduates. I love, I've loved watching you grow up. I've loved uh, watching you struggle. I've loved watching you do things. I've loved watching you interrelate with friends and, and family. And, and I love your parents. I, I love the fact that uh, uh, you are loved and cared for and you got people in your life. And, and moms and dads, uh, this is a graduation, but it's not really over, is it? It's just a step. It's just a different time of life, but you're still involved. And in some ways, you will be more involved than you were when they were in high school, elementary school, and middle school. And you're going to be a part when they graduate again or when they go off and get their career. You're still going to be involved. It's just going to be in another dimension. And that's different for different people and how things are in their lives. And, uh, but uh, I love you all. I'm, I'm very happy to be here today and share this time with you. And since I love you so much, this is what was on, been on my mind all week. What do you talk to graduates about? Man, I've been talking to graduates for a long, long time, and I've been bored at some of them too, you know? I've, I've had some good ones, I think, that, eh, you know, maybe one person got something out of it. You know, I'm not real optimistic about my abilities because I see myself as average. But what I'm going to talk to you about today, listen to me. What I'm going to talk to you about today, I'm really good at. Not the presentation, the idea of this. This is something I really understand. This is something that I really get. Matter of fact, I've never seen this anywhere else in the world. I didn't read this in a book, what I'm about to share with you today. It's actually my formula. It's my algorithm. I run the math on this. I, through years of searching out the scriptures and thinking about it, I came up with the 89% and 11% rule. Now, you may, be, you may remember it used to be the 90% and 10% rule, but I ran the numbers, and I think it's 89-11. Now, next year, it may be the 91 and 9, but these numbers are not accurate, and I can't verify them, but this is what I think. 89% and the 11%. This is what I know. This is my California hotel riff. Remember that? This, this is my, you know, in the fast lane riff. Y'all know that's how that in the, in the fast lane came about. Joe Walsh would limber up his fingers and they didn't have a song and they were trying to do the long-run album. They couldn't do it. And, and one of them said, what's that you're doing? He said, oh, just something I got. It's how I warm up my fingers. And they said, that's a song. And so they made, you know, going down the highway fast with the drug dealer 
which is very wholesome and beneficial for graduation day. But I love you and I want to share something. This is, so if, if I was really, really wealthy, I might give each of you $1,000, but I checked in the bank account, that's not possible today. If I was really, really smart, I might give you some equation that would help you be able to understand the stock market and figure it all out, make lots of money, but I can't. This is my only equation that I can, and I can't even verify it. And, and so, uh, this is the very best I can give you today. So that should say how much I love you. I'm giving you my very, very best. And it begins with a foundation. Look in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through verse 49. Verse 46, Jesus reads words in red. Really important. When, when you're going through the Bible and you understand the important and true, when you see the red words, it's really important. I mean, it's, they're all important, but a little extra mustard on the red words of Jesus, okay? It's our go-to. It's what we interpret everything else from. Verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Lord, Lord, twice he says it, intensity, raising the intensity, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So that's the foundation. He is Lord, important and true. He is Lord, Lord. He is the Lord. No one else like him. No one above him. He's the Lord. He's the master. He's our savior. He's the creator. He's the giver of all good things. He's the one we bow down to. He's the one that we kneel down and take off any crowns we have for him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? That's a good question to start out with. That, that's digging the foundation for us. He says here, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them. So three things. Everyone who comes to me, that's belief. Here's my words, open to the Scripture, open to the Spirit's teaching, and does them. This is what that person is like. So three things are important for laying this foundation that Jesus is going to talk about here for us. He said, I'm going to show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well-built. Three pieces to a well-built house. Now, what Jesus is talking about here are the three pieces to a well-built life, a life that can handle floods, a life that can handle storms, a life that can handle trials, a life that can handle hardships. If, if we were to reverse this today, and if we were to get the oldest of folks that are here today and, and speak to you graduates, it may be a real good exercise actually to do that. And if they could just give you the top 10 problems they have faced in their life, you would be absolutely blown away that they're still going. And, and I, don't even, I don't even have to know what people have gone through. 
I could just say, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? I could pick out guests today and I say, can you share with us the top 10 things that you have struggled with in your life? It, it would be so mammoth in here today if you just took those who are 45 years and older. And if we were to put all those together, it would be a horrible read. It would be painful if we were to think about all the things that people in this congregation have been through in their life. So, young people, you got to get ready. You got to get prepared. There is, there's no guarantees for you. There, there's, there's no magic wand. There's no magic formula that's going to exempt you from real hard times. You have to be strong. You have to be strong. And, and if your greatest desire in life is to make money, man, Jesus didn't say if you make lots of money, you can be strong. Because money doesn't buy happiness. It just doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't buy peace. And it sure doesn't buy exemption from problems. It just doesn't. Money might even add to people's problems. But people that have amassed a lot of money versus those who have not amassed as much money, listen, there, there's, there's no protection in either category. They've gone through really hard times. So I think this scripture is really important to us. Jesus said that if we hear him, we believe in him, and we do what he says, we build a strong life. Now, it doesn't mean the storms don't come because the storm came against this strong house. But the difference is the strong house survived, made it through, stood, and the house that was not built on coming to Jesus through faith and hearing him and obeying him was torn down. Look what it says in verse 49. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Foolish, isn't it? Wouldn't it be foolish to build a, fa build a house without a foundation? Sure it would be. I mean, it would be different, especially in our country. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, here's the truth of this scripture today. You can come to Jesus and not have a strong life. You can go to church and not have a strong life. You whoopers can go to that wonderful college service that I really recommend. I think it's on Tuesday night. And you can whoop it up all you want, but if all you do is believe, you will not have a strong life. Matter of fact, you can have faith and you can be a Bible scholar and not have a strong life. Did you know that? You can know all the Sunday school answers. You can have it all down. You can memorize scripture. Now, you're, you're far better than anyone that doesn't believe. You're far better off than people who don't understand scripture, don't read scripture, or can't pass a test in some Bible study or something like that. But you can... Come to Christ by faith, and you can be knowledgeable about spiritual, religious things, but not be the strong guy. Not be the strong guy. You see, to be the strong one, to have the foundation that builds a strong life, and it's a well-built life, you've got to have three things in it. 
You got to believe in Jesus. You got to read the scriptures and understand and get the information. You got to obey. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? That's the words of Jesus. And so the foundation must be built. Now, the 89%, what does that stand for? The 89% says, when this foundation is laid, okay, this formula, this algorithm, I don't even know what algorithm means, but I want to impress all you engineering future people. <laughs> this calculation, it's all dependent upon Believing, knowing the word, knowing what Jesus said, and obeying it, okay? 89% of all your decisions have already been made for you. 89% have already been made. That's a beautiful thing. 89%. So, obviously... Being a good decision maker is really important in life. Really important in life. If, if you don't learn to be a good decision maker, you're going to struggle. But for a believer, Jesus loves us so much that he has set us up for success. He has set us up for abundant life. He has set us up for victory because 89% of all our decisions have already been made for us. It all comes down to believing and reading and obeying. It just makes life simpler, doesn't it? It, it also limits unnecessary time trying to figure out what in the world to do. What do I do? And perhaps one of the best things about this is it takes the emotional aspect out of most painful decision-making. Let me give you examples. We don't have any idols decision-made. There you go. We honor our mother and father decision-made. So when you come to a place and say, boy, it's really hard to honor my mother and father, well, the decision has already been made for us. We honor our mother and father. Now, what that looks like in your particular situation, you have to do it through the lens of God told us to honor our mother and father, so by gosh, that's what we're going to do. We are to forgive. It's already been decided for us. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to consider it. We, we, we don't have to come to a place where I just can't get, forgive old so-and-so. They really hurt me. Truth is, we've already been advised. We've already been taught. We, we already know what decision we make. We forgive. Now, do we put ourselves in position and let them hurt us again? That's a different story. But we know we forgive. We know we have hope. We know we believe. We know we're going to pray. Do I pray about this or not? Well, of course you pray about it. The decision has already been made for us. And you can go through all the commands we have in Scripture, all the things that tell us what to do and tell us what not to do. The 89% have already been made for us. Man, that makes life better. It makes it simpler. It makes it vigorating, I think, because you can just focus on 
other things because the decisions have already been made. Decision-making is so important. We should make the decisions up front. So when people say, I have trusted in Christ as my Lord and Savior, I have believed in him, in, in the next step, and what they're really saying there is, I am going to do what he says. That's what we're saying. Have you trusted in Christ? Yes, I believe. We're not saying, do you acknowledge that Jesus existed? What we're saying is, we acknowledge he's Lord, and I'm going to do what he says. That's what it means to be a Christian. We do what he says. Make that decision up front. Make the decisions before you get into them. Do we do cocaine that might be spiked with fentanyl? No. Decisions made. It's a dumb decision. Do we go to a party and allow our drink to be spiked? No. What's that drink at the party? Don't go if, you, if you're worried about that. If it doesn't exalt the Lord Jesus, why stay home and, and, and watch YouTube or something? And then be careful what you watch. Something else in the decision-making process that I think is really important, decide now. And, th and this, grandparents, this is for you. Parents, this is for you. Everyone, adults, teenagers, young people, listen to me. Understand this, if you can put your mind around this. Decide up front to make the major things major and the minor things minor. Because if you get the majors and the minors mixed up, there's lots of confusion, there's lots of complications, there's lots of misunderstandings, and there are lots of headaches. The majors and the minors, what really matters and what doesn't matter. Get those down. Write them down. Spend a weekend just going through that. What really matters and what doesn't matter. Keep the majors major and the minors minor. From, from where I sit, and from my dealings with people, here's something that I have learned through the years. You need, need to hear this one, okay? Sometimes people get the minor and it becomes a great major for them. And they spend lots of energy. They spend lots of time. They create lots of problems in their family. They create lots of problems in their church even. They, keep, they, they, they cause lots of problems at work because they are obsessing over something that doesn't matter. And they make things miserable for everybody else. And you know what happens to those people? They die. They die. And people at the funeral, and they're thinking about it, and they think, you know, Uncle Ben or Aunt Julia, whoever it is, they put us through such grief over something that doesn't matter. Nobody says it. It's overlooked. It's not talked about. But if, if that's what happens, I, I was, something happened about two weeks ago that made me remember it. I remember the business meeting. I remember the struggle. I remember what was going on. It was a minor issue. It didn't matter. It absolutely didn't matter. And, and families got hurt over it, and families got twisted. And the congregation, just every time that matter was brought up, it just went, oh, and there was a struggle. And, and, and there was that huge elephant in the room all the time, and they're dead now. We, we regret that. I'm not trying to be casual about that. 
But that's the truth. And what they were so fussed about, no one ever brings up, no one ever mentions. Everyone understood that they got things lopsided and they were holding on to a minor instead of embracing a major and stomping around with the major things. And they made life miserable for themselves and for others. Don't do that. Decide now that you're going to keep the major things major. Why do you call the Lord, Lord, and not do what he says? Jesus told us, don't get sidetracked with the little small things that don't matter, but get absolutely carried away with the things that absolutely matter, the important things. Salvation through faith, salvation through the blood of Jesus, the lostness of man. I mean, what good does it do to get so, so dogmatic and so worked up over some minor thing in religion and all around you, people don't see love, they don't see the gospel, they don't see mercy, and they don't see grace. And, and, and that's what you have to show at the end of your life. Good time to start majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors is now. And pragmatically, not as graphic as what I've described, but pragmatically, that works in life. That works in life. Speeding ticket, don't get carried away. Just don't do it again, you know. Mistake here and there, it's minor. Don't get carried away with it. I mean, focus on the life and death things. Focus on the real important issues. And let me tell you something. If you, if you don't forgive over a minor thing, you're not going to be able to help them see that Jesus loves them with all of his heart. Decide. Yeah, it, don't get mad when your phone goes off. It's all right. It's all good. We've all been there. We've all done it. It's a minor thing. He didn't hear it, right, brother? I didn't hear I didn't hear that phone, man. It's all good. Something else, decide to not underestimate evil and decide not to underestimate God. Graduates, decide to never underestimate evil. You guys, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about Reverend Benny Smith. When I became a pastor, he called me and says, come have coffee with me. And he started to meet with me and he was mentoring me. I didn't know what then, I didn't know what the word mentor meant, but I, I got it later on. I saw what he was doing, and he would tell me over and over and over, I don't envy you starting pastor day. This old world has gotten so crazy. That was in 1981. And, and I realized that that opportunity that I hope I have one day to do the same thing, I'm going to sit him down and say, let me tell you something, man. Pastor was so much easy in the 80s. It was, a, it, was a, it was a piece of cake in the 1980s. Let me tell you something. These 2030s are horrible. I don't envy you one bit. Matter of fact, I'm going to sit back in my lazy boy and I'm going to just watch what you do. Right? Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't underestimate evil in your world because it's evil. Now, we can argue it's always been evil, but let me tell you something. It's evil today. And you got to be ready. You got to be strong. You got to have firm foundation. That's what Jesus had to say. So, 
The 89% is already decided. The 11%, all right. The 11% are the things that Scripture has not decided for us. Where I'm going to go to school. The kind of job I'm going to have. Who I'm going to marry. The job change I'm going to have, right? What I'm going to do with all that. Friends that I'm going to have. All that kind of stuff. All those decisions that aren't clearly made for you. Now, first of all, if you're following the 89%, some of the 11% things line up for us, okay? They line up for us. But the life of me, I've never read where, where the Lord told me where I'm supposed to live at 214 Southview. Now, I really like it there, and I think it's of the Lord's will. But nevertheless, you know, I can live anywhere. I can live in a tree house. I can live in a dog house, and I'll be all right. As long as it's got a little A.C., and and I can watch the Rangers and the Cowboys, I'll be all right. But the 11%, the things that aren't clearly worked out, here, here's what you need to do. All right, does this decision conflict with the Bible? Or simply, is it right or wrong? Is it conflict, conflict with, with the Bible? Bible? I, have I have an idea that this is where I need to live. live. I have an idea this is the kind of job I need to have. Does it conflict with the Bible? If the job is stealing for people, then obviously do not steal. So that's not a job for you, right? I mean, that's, that's crystal clear in it. So if it's an admirable job, if it's an admirable vacation, if it doesn't conflict with the Scripture, then you need, to, you, you need to understand that. Don't do anything that conflicts with Scripture. Don't do anything that might get you in a difficult place if you're not able to handle that, right? Does the choice require faith for me? I just don't think the Lord is going to call us to do anything, an assignment, a school choice, a house, you know, something, build a family, whatever it might be, that doesn't require faith of his children. He always wants us to move forward with faith. Will the choice glorify God? Now, you can, you can say that every vocation glorifies God depending on how you do it, of course. But that's a good thing to have laid down. Does my vocation glorify God? Does my life choices, does it glorify God? And the fourth thing, and you wrap this all together, is you go, does the idea, the choice, the decision, does it keep on showing up? Does it keep on suffering? Or I like to think about it this way, this is how I best understand it in my own decision-making process. Can I just not get away from it? Can I just not get away from it? It just keeps on surfing. It keeps on showing up. People will ask questions. People will make statements. And that idea that I've been having, it resurfaces again. Songs remind me of it. You'll see something on the news that reminds you of it. You may watch a show, and, and for the life of me, that show, who knew you weren't going to be sitting there and all those kind of things. But that show becomes a real teacher, and you go, oh, I'm hit with it again. I just can't get away from it. Also, another piece to that I can't get away from it is this. It makes you miserable. It just agitates you. You just can't get away from it. And, it just, it, and what you're miserable about often becomes your assignment. Your assignment. William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, walking through London in the 1800s, he just couldn't stand anymore stepping over hurting people. He just couldn't do it. And, and he began the Salvation Army. And because he was miserable, 
about the condition of life in the homeless population in London, he just believed the Lord called him to do something about it. And oftentimes, that mindset, that idea, what you're so agitated about, what you have misery over, you just say, man, I just believe I need to do something about it. Does it conflict Scripture? Does it require faith? Will it glorify God? Can I just not get away from it? It keeps on surfacing. And the idea of you can't get away from it, think about this. When you read the Bible, you can't get away from it. When you pray, you can't get away from it. When you go to church, when you're around church people, when you're around the believers of the Lord, and you're in fellowship, you just can't get away from it. Someone brings it up. Someone affirms it in you. Someone acknowledges it. I I remember a long time ago when I was struggling with whether or not I was to be a a preacher or not, okay? And, and, And my church let me preach on a Sunday night. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it was horrible. You ain't never heard nothing like that. It had to be, I don't remember what I said. I don't remember how I said it. I don't remember what was going on. I don't remember anything. But I do remember one thing that happened that night is a man walked up to me and he pulled me to the side and he said, Lee, I don't really know what's going on and I know the Lord can do a great work. However, you need to think about this a little bit. You've got something. I ain't hardly ever had anybody say, I got something, unless it's, you know, some kind of disease or something. <laughs> I got something. What do I got? You know, I've had the chicken pox, I've had the measles, I've had strep throat. I had a lot of bad things. I got a lot of this and that and the other, but I got something. And, and I, I never forgot it. Now, he was the only one. You know, the rest of them just went, oh. Oh, I don't love you now. It's got a long way to go. Yeah, well, just like. And so the Bible, prayer, the church fellowship affirms it, acknowledges it, encourages you in it. And then the circumstances. God just works. God does miraculous. And, and if you've ever had that thought, is, is that the Lord speaking to me? Why would we think the Lord would be speaking to us? He loves us. He cares for us. He, he communicates to us. And so when you have that, it's really a small world experience. It's the Lord. It's not a small world. It's a huge world. My gosh, if you get in a supersonic airplane, it takes a long time to go around this earth. It's big. It's big. It's a big world for you to run into someone that you haven't seen in years and for those dots to connect. And when you connect with them, there was some kind of spiritual conversation that God has been doing in you for a long time. Don't just think, oh, that's just coincidence. No, it's not. It's not coincidence. The Lord's at work. So look at those circumstances. Those circumstances lead you towards the idea. It's what happens most often in you. It's a passion that keeps on showing up in you, and it moves you and excites you. It warms your heart. The Lord's at work. And so in the 11%, a lot more difficult process than the 89%, because remember, the 89% is already laid out for us, but in that 11%, Doing the 89% takes you down the right road. Does it conflict with the Bible? Does it require faith? Does it, will it glorify the Lord? Does the idea, the awareness of it, 
the, the situation that keep on surfacing. I just can't get away from it, right? And as I read the Scripture, as I pray, as I fellowship with the people of the Lord, they, they just say something. They, they speak into my life, and it moves me towards that decision. And man, it, the circumstances, I just can't get away from it. So the 89% and the 11%, all, is it prerequisite? That word in college, prerequisite. I think that means that you got to have English 101 before you can take 201. I think that's what that means. I, I don't remember. But what I'm trying to say is, you got to have that foundation to build the other on. What decision will you make today? What decision is the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit leading you to make today? To receive Christ as your Savior, to decide today that you're going to do what he says. He's Lord and you're going to do what he says. You're going to come to him. You're going to hear his word. You're going to do what he says. You make that decision. Are you going to obey what his word has said? You know enough to obey already. You know enough. Start there with what you know. Don't worry about what you don't know yet. It'll come. Start with what you know and start moving down that road. It's the new creation life. It's the born-again life. It's being sealed with the Holy Spirit. It means we become a Christian, doing what he says. So, from the words of Jesus, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Help us, Lord, to decide today. Lord, if it's to become a believer if it's become a disciple, if it's become, become a person who knows you, but we walk deeper in that knowledge, we walk deeper in that faith, and, and Lord, we become obedient to what you want. May your Holy Spirit just speak to every person that's here today. And, and Lord, for those that are hearing you say to them, I love you, I need you. Lord, you're speaking to them, I, I want you Lord, may they receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.